She also apparently was in this film earlier this year called Term Life with Vince Vaughn, mm. where Vince Vaughn is wearing a wonderful toupee in the poster. I know Nick's seen it. I don't, I'm sure it's a Dusant right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is awful. Yeah. That looks like uh, David nope. Cross's character in Arrested Development when he gets the hair plugs, and it's bleeding profusely, and it looks disgusting. <laughs> Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new coming-of-age comedy drama, which is The Edge of Seventeen, starring Haley Steinfeld. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there again, everybody, and welcome in to episode 91 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with my usual two co-hosts, Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Banging on a trash can, strumming on a street light. Cool. Wow. Seems, seems like Tucson is just way excited to be here. Yeah, I am. It's cool. Nice. Nick Cheney also here. Hi. <laughs> there's just nothing to do. You, there's no, nothing you can say that can follow that. So you're good. I might as well quit. Sure. Well, you're behind, I guess, because Tucson's in the lead now That's in the fair. game of life. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> Uh, Today we are talking about The Edge of Seventeen, an R-rated comedy drama, Uh, a coming-of-age story. Yeah, exciting. This, uh, I mean, just from that description of the genre and what exactly this film is, that sounds like any other movie we could have ever seen, so... And I think that some people might feel like some of that was here, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. That's a nice little tease for the episode we are doing currently. So, The Edge of Seventeen is about high school life as it gets unbearable for Nadine when her best friend Krista starts dating her older brother. You see, here's the thing. Oh. That makes it sound like Krista's dating her older brother, not Nadine's. That's really... Oh, you mean Krista's dating her own older brother? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that life is unbearable. What the fuck? (laughs) Well, why would Nadine care? I mean, it's Krista's <laughs> life. Well, maybe she... Hit, you know what? It's fine. Yep. We're not even going to touch that. Yeah. It's too bad. I want to watch that movie. <laughs> oh. Stab, stab, stab. This film stars Haley Steinfeld, who uh, was in the True Grit remake about four years ago. Uh, actually, it was six years ago. And she's been in a whole lot of poop since then. So oh, she's been in, she's Pitch been Perfect 2. Ender's Game. Ender's Game? That's yeah. what you're coming with? Yeah. Okay. For the record, I did not like Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> she also apparently was in this film earlier this year called Term Life with Vince Vaughn, mm. where Vince Vaughn is wearing a wonderful toupee in the poster. I know Nick's seen it. I don't, I'm sure it's a Dusant right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
That is awful. Yeah. That looks like uh, David nope. Cross's character in Arrested Development when he gets the hair plugs, and it's bleeding profusely, and it looks disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> was was that part of the, the costume? No, he was just trying something out. <laughs> it didn't work out. So anyways, Haley, Haley Steinfeld, who, uh, again, has not had a great career up until this point, uh, also, Haley Lou Richardson plays her friend Krista. All the Haley's. Yeah. Blake Jenner, who's 30, uh, plays a... <laughs> He's actually only 24, but he does look he too does. old to be yeah. playing a 17-year-old. Does. Plays her brother, Darian. And we also have appearances here by Kira Sedgwick and Woody Harrelson. So Way too old to be high schoolers, too. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Woody Harrelson still thought he was on Cheers here, so that's great. Aww. <laughs> You're like, I miss Cheers. Yeah. I wish we could go back to that. <laughs> so, um, I guess I will start us off, since I was the one who really was the driving force behind us seeing this film. Yeah. And I have to say, I was a pretty much a really big fan. I quite enjoyed The Edge of Seventeen. It uh, delivered on everything I really wanted this film to be, as I wanted it to be a little edgy, which it was that somewhat um i wanted it to be funny which i thought there were quite a few uh terrific comedy beats here and i just wanted it to have a okay story to be played by these characters and i thought overall it did everything on my checklist of what i wanted it to do uh there are certainly some things in the film that i uh could have done without and um that definitely affected my score but overall, I thought this was a pretty good film, and it's not great, it's not award-winning material, but it's just a good way to spend an hour and 44 minutes, either at the theater or at home, and I enjoyed it. And all I have to say um, in my opening remarks about something that I would take out is, does every coming-of-age story have to have an attempted rape scene? Uh, is that, like, required? Uh, the I, I don't, man. I don't want to touch that. Oh. Well, first of all, let's <clears throat> if let's discuss one thing, which is technically, was that attempted rape or not? I mean, <clears throat> apparently, I'm not saying yes or no, but so, I, I don't think that the movie is as clear cut in a realistic way as to. I mean, it's not a literal. Uh, attempted rape. In fact, I actually kind of like that scene for the way it almost humanized um, what could otherwise be a very stereotypical, in fact, uh, Toussaint leaned over to me when that scene was up and goes, oh, here comes the Uncle Buck scene, <laughs> which is actually pretty accurate as to like what we normally see in these kind of coming of age, right. like, oh, the guy can't keep it in his pants, so let's beat the shit out of him, um, type whatever. But yeah. I hesitate to call it attempted rape so much as uh, young kids doing stupid things, so to speak. Yeah. But I, I agree in the sense that that's a common trope. I, yeah. I just think that was one of the high points of the movie for me because it wasn't as or it was more fleshed out than it normally is I think okay yeah I I that's more about that that trope and that uh, yeah that stereotype that you see in pretty much every single one of these and I I agree that it obviously blurs the lines but at the same time I don't know you wish you could have found a way to broach that topic without having to like retread the same sort of beat yeah, 
Yeah. I, I personally think so. I thought, you know, as soon as she got in the car and he's driving, he parks by a dumpster. I'm like, man, this is, I've seen this kind of thing before. Like, do we, like, we could do better than this. I right? mean, speaking from the perspective. Experience. No, speaking, <laughs> no, speaking from the perspective of a, of a, of a male in his, his late twenties, like, as soon as I see that scene being set up, I'm like, oh no, I know where this is going. But then, Take it from the the I perspective. Know what I would do. No, not that. Anyway, then take it from the perspective she of this. She was begging for it, man. God, uh, she sent him from, that message and everything. Um, uh, it, from and the, as Derek Rose taught us earlier this year, text messages asking for sex can be uh, cause for consent. What sure. That? <sighs> Never mind. Tucson. Anyway. <laughs> what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, you know, as a viewer of this film. As, as, a, as a male in his mid-twenties, like, seeing that scene being set up, like, oh, no, I know how this is going to set up. This is just awful. But as a as a naive teenager in that film that, that Nadine is, like, I could see, like, her, like, putting the cart before the horse in sort of a way and just not thinking clearly. So um, I don't know how much that is. A, a, it's a fault of the structure of the scene itself or just the predictability of it. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I will say that uh, a film that we are going to talk about in a couple weeks uh, may use the same type of trope in it. Rogue One. Uh, no, uh, we're Rogue. actually in a couple weeks going to have uh, our friend Brian back to talk about a uh, film, film called First Girl I Loved. And uh, me and Nick have both seen this because we saw it at Sundance earlier this year. But yeah, that film... Um, Boy, that just does a much better job with this kind of thing. Well, to be fair, that's like the integral plot incident, one yeah. of two at least. Yeah. Um, whereas this is a yeah, uh, but relegated it's, to a sub. It, it feels much. It feels much more um, impactful than yeah. here, where it's just you know, oh, let's hit the checklist of everything we want to have in this film. For so sure. mm-hmm. yeah, all right. Well, move on to one of you guys. Uh, Nick, you go. All right. Yeah. Um, I was looking forward to this. Okay. I uh, actually I never even seen a trailer, which is rare for me. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect. But looking at the cast list, I liked and seeing the reviews. And I'm actually usually a sucker for coming of age stories in general. It doesn't mean I like them all, but I can usually tolerate even the you know the worst ones. Uh, having said that, I I am very mixed on this movie. Mm-hmm. I was engaged with it throughout because I did like the cast and I thought as a comedy it was very good. But because I do think this film is trying to be more than a comedy, uh, I think it ultimately fails on a lot of fronts that left me a little sour. Um, we can get into more specifics later, but in general... How about, uh, the, uh, how about the dad going to buy cheeseburgers and then having a heart attack? That was something. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'll give it credit for one thing, because <laughs> when we were watching that, I'm like, I'm like oh, when's the car going to smash into this car? But it's actually, T-boned. It was like, nope, just just a heart attack, and so anyway. But um, yeah, there the, the, there were this movie is not very subtle, which is fine because teenagers often aren't, and especially that worldview when you're in that age. So that didn't bother me. But what did bother me is I thought this movie had some really weird and troubling implications for a very serious problem that's. Uh, that's very uh, prevalent in today's youth and even uh, adults. But 
the movie starts off, I thought, wonderfully. I thought, um, you know, like we literally the first scene, and I and I do think a lot of importance should be shed on that scene, but is the middle of the story, so to speak, um, in which the main character shows up to one of her teachers to uh, kind of fake cry for help with a suicide, not attempt, but a uh, declaration. Warning. Yeah. yeah. And it's half-cheeky, and yet you can also, even as a first-time viewer, tell that there's something to it as far as, like, they're not in a good place. Um, and from there, uh, even a few scenes later, there's uh, the great scene in which her and her friend get drunk, and then um, all she can talk about is how she can't stand to live with herself and whatnot. So they set up, in my opinion, a character that was faced with self-loathing issues. Um, and then after that, it's like that's not her problem at all. Her problem is actually a lot of different other things that the movie never really nails down. Her problem is everybody else and how yeah. they are inflicting their problems on her. Yeah, and ultimately the ending suggests that she is a burden on her entire family. That I, I, I just thought that was kind of gross and icky. Like, it was essentially that she needs to change, even though I thought that of every character in the movie. Not, not to say that she shouldn't change, but like... I'm like, the way her brother treated her, the way her mom treated her, they're all disgusting people, and yet the whole climax rests on her saying, I know I'm the problem, and I just thought that was a horrible message. And then it gets topped with the ending of romantic interest, in which the whole movie is platonic, because she clearly whatever, and then this that sends another horrible message, because she treats that guy like shit the entire movie. Yeah, I fucking and, hated that. And then he he's just totally okay with it. And I'm not saying that's not realistic, in the sense that that wouldn't happen, but it it's it's cause for celebration in the movie. And for me, that makes no sense because, um, it was an insult to both of those characters. Um, for him, because he apparently wants to be with someone that is pretty okay with treating him like shit. And for her, because she should be able to get over her problems without a man. And I, uh, yeah, I just, it was one troubling implication and revelation after another, uh, after a solid first half of the movie, I thought. So, ultimately, I was engaged by it, but um, at the end of the day, it started to bug me by how unthought out any of these resolutions were. Hmm. Okay. So. I think, uh, overall, um, I echo some of Nick's sentiments. I really did enjoy this film. Um, I would recommend it, um, especially if, like, for teenagers, because I think it's going to be one of those films that are it's probably going to crop up in a couple of years, and um, it, it would probably play well to that sort of like age range, given the sort of tone of humor and like the substance of it, with like the it's either gross out or it's like shock humor, which I thought works in it works in good measure, but I feel like in some points it just doubled down on it too much, and it was just going out for shock, and there's no real like substance to it. For a lot of laughs. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of Nadine as a character. Just because there's not a lot to really like about her. Like I can. Like I want to empathize with this character. It's like yeah. It's really hard when your your dad dies. It's really hard when you don't have a lot of friends. It's really hard when your one friend ends up <laughs> hooking up with your brother. And, and then their relationship sort of eclipses the one friendship that you had. Um... But otherwise, like, yeah, it all, all ropes back to that whole Irwin thing where she was just using that boy as sort of a, an emotional surrogate for which to sort of, like, vent out her own frustrations, frustrations against others. 
and constantly like emotionally string him along and it's like man that's really fucked that's not a good thing to do that's part of growing up gotta learn not to do that but then she doesn't learn how to do that and i'm just kind of like what the fuck's going on uh she steals her mother's car it was like yeah that's a pretty dramatic teenager thing to do i guess um uh woody harrelson is great in this i i thought that he was really funny i thought that um you need to watch out for run-on sentences <laughs> yeah 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 that was a he had some really great moments in this. Uh, yeah, how about the uh, the belittling of him, too, and talking about how he's an awful person and he's never going to find anybody and he's just making everybody miserable and he's talking about his salary? and I That's the first time that somebody has ever underestimated, uh, underestimated yeah. my salary. <laughs> Feels good. It made me feel good. Like, <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like that—that that was the, one of the scenes that I was really not caught off guard by. But I was like, "This is, this is very." I know it's supposed to show her as being rebellious and mm-hmm. everything, but she's supposed to have some sort of a friendship with this teacher, mm-hmm. and yet she's talking smack, right? Talking doing mad the smack. Same kind of thing she's doing with uh, with why can't I think of his name right now? The guy we just talked about, Her brother. Irwin. No, Irwin, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, um, yeah, painting her character is not necessarily. But as uh, we talked about, you know, teenagers. Swimming next to a fucking waterfall, being like, do you want to have sex? And be like, I was just kidding. I was like, man, you are a, you well, are, mean, you are a mean girl. Well, I mean. She's mean. She's such a bitch. I, wow. All right. What? She was mean to Irwin. I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, but like the whole, I mean, there's plenty of that for you there of of moments in this film where you can go, I don't know yeah. if that's 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 the right way to feel about it. And oh, man. first of all, let's talk about that pool scene because yeah. um, that's a really nice pool, by the it way. Is. Uh, but how does that end? He apparently has a yeah. song on speed dial <laughs> on his remote. Like, was You're that a dick. it? Made it made it seem like he's had other girls over before. <laughs> Yeah, that, the that, same was, that was one it? of the that was like maybe maybe the only time, but still, where I was watching the movie and I genuinely had no idea what was happening <laughs> on the screen, which is not great. Uh, yeah, that was just so awkward. My favorite joke um, that I can remember from this film was when Nadine is at the party uh, and her brother and her friend have like gone off and stuff. She's on the porch and is talking to this one person who's falling asleep on the one of the chairs He's like yeah man you ever seen that movie big with arnold schwarzenegger and danny twins. <clears throat> twins, twins twins with uh totally with, different plot. sorry yeah i know danny devito from... and and and, uh, and arnold schwarzenegger and i was like yeah. yeah and i was like yeah you guys remind me of that i was like man that's cold as fuck so are they supposed to be twins i don't think so okay no, no. Just... it's uh, kind of weird because they are the same so yeah, maybe they are. I don't know. They don't really explain that. No. I did like the. Uh, I did especially quite enjoy the line uh, early in the film when we're seeing them as kids, and Nadine is explaining that oh well, sometimes uh, people have all the confidence in the world, and the other people want all those people to die in a fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, I see. I stand by my statement in the sense that I think the film starts strongly. Like I pretty much loved everything about the flashbacks. When like was... when they, they have the um, is it? That's not a centipede. Sorry. What is that? <laughs> they end up killing it by putting yeah. it in a box. Yep. That's that's like all those little details there are just mm-hmm. really really nice. And then yeah, they do get a little bit uh, 
leaner throughout. Yeah, the um, let's talk about the brother character okay. because so Blake Jenner plays her brother, mm-hmm. and um, we saw earlier this year we did in uh, Everybody Wants Some. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, both Blake Jenner and Haley Seinfeld previously starred as college students in respective movies, and now they are playing high school students. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood. Yeah. Soon they'll be in grade school. Soon. Um, uh, that's going to be a. A really big stretch. Yeah. Kindergarten cop. Anyway, continue. Um, But yeah, so the brother character is is weird for me because in another movie, I would find his arc extremely powerful, I think. Um, But because I never truly got... Like, the movie only really... And I get part of it's because it's the movie is essentially from Nadine's point of view, so we're not really going to get scenes that are isolated from her um, that revealed too much information about other characters because of her myopic view of the world. But I still felt like he was almost cartoonishly mean to her when it came to a complete oblivious uh, as to like how somebody would feel if in her situation. Cause like, like it, it, the movie too, I think too readily relies on a past experiences and uh between these characters that we're not privy to like we have to assume that they like growing up they were not the best of friends her and her brother and all that and that's laid out pretty well early on i mean i think they say it but um like how they treat each other still doesn't i don't know it doesn't never really gel for me in a way where i felt unbelievable because i just he just was like just an asshole like nadine is a can be a horrible person and yet when you're trying to make a movie about a person who has like a narcissistic view of the world and who can't consider other people's feelings, I'm like, you you, you shouldn't populate <laughs> her universe with people who share the same exact traits if you want to get that point of view across. So I, I, there's just a conflict. Well, they all seem there. to. Tra- I mean, her her mother is just Kira Sedgwick's character is. You watch her in some of her moments, uh, specifically. Uh, when she picks Nadine up from uh, the party and Nadine is trying to tell her everything and then she just breaks in talking about her problems and it's like, oh man, yeah. you're a terrible parent. She's a mess. Yeah. But yeah. she grows in the span of a text message. Oh yeah, yeah, that text message at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah I guess. Her character was not really well written either. Yeah. Um, but I still enjoyed that aspect yeah. of the film because I thought the three of them uh, in their interaction felt pretty realistic to me about what the situation, at least on in, presented in a uh, film, uh, whether it be a Hollywood film, independent film, whatever. It, it's, it seemed like it felt realistic in terms of the reactions of the characters and that they felt like they were people who would actually decide these things if we lived in a dramatic world as, as this was a film. And if we lived in a world like this, would seem pretty pretty on for me, uh, even if decisions that they make aren't perfect in terms of the story should have done this better or would have made uh, the structure better of the film. I, I don't know. I I felt like a lot of the characters are imperfect in this film, whether they or the character be that or the writing be that. And it definitely showed through, but I think it all kind of fit together, even if it's... Um, disappointing in terms of how it it worked out to both you guys are talking about how a lot of uh, characters and the writing could have been uh, a bit better, tighter. 
I will say I appreciated the uh, use of Amy Mann Save Me. I was just about to yeah. say that. I really like the uh, the music choice. I, as soon as I, I heard that song come up, yeah, I, I looked at Nick and I was like, oh. They're literally playing that song while she's messaging a character named Nick. I'm like, mm-hmm. this scene is about me, clearly. See, when I saw that, I thought you were going to hate it because of that. Because I, be, I thought you would think, <laughs> well, because, well, this is never going to live up to that. <laughs> no, but because they were just using it as incidental music, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was adorable. But yeah. uh, actually, in a great soundtrack, there's a I played a Radiohead song. I there think. was a Radiohead song, but there was a um, there was a Beck song that I used to listen to. I used to listen to that whole album like crazy. So, uh, now, was that the song in the car? Yes. The with with her and the the dude, uh, no. That she wants to know. The no, 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 no. He doesn't tell Sorry. her. Okay. But it was in the other. It was when they were arriving to the party. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but no, not that. So I don't know what that song was. Nobody. Else. I was gonna say she she never gets to know, does she? Just Shazam it. Well, you know that was weird. I couldn't. I kept thinking that the movie was um, of a different it. period. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until about like twenty thirty minutes in that I was comfortable. Like, oh, I guess this is modern day. It's just. Uh, but for a while, due to her clothing and um, the fact that we were hearing songs from, like, about a decade ago or Billy Joel, you know, I was like, is this from, like, 90s? Or, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I guess to, to my point earlier um, talking about this film, it's a film that I very, very much enjoyed. Um, but this is just a movie to go, sit in the theater, enjoy the film. Uh, it does definitely seem like it tries to get somewhat deep, and it uh, fails at some points. Some points I think it does pretty well uh, trying to go into that a little bit deeper, but when it gets too deep or it tries to... When it tries to sum 41, you know, like yeah. get in too deep. It uh, aims high and it grazes its target but just doesn't hit. But um, I think it's it's an it's an entertaining movie. I would um, I, I would I would probably watch it again if it yeah. was on television. Um, yeah. So, well, do you want to go into your your rating there, Tucson? Yeah, I think, I think we're gonna we're gonna set a record here for shortest episode we've ever yeah. done. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. The edge. What it, are we on? Like the edge of seventeen minutes or so? <laughs> it's actually yeah. Well, it's longer than that. But yeah, yeah. this is a this is a short episode. Hey, but that's okay. You know what? Yeah. It can't you know all what? be uh, lengthy. No, it's not the uh, size. It's how you use it. It's great. It's really wise. Toussaint. Okay. <laughs> um, so my rating is a three out of five. Um, I did enjoy this film. I don't think that it's perfect. Um, I think that um, a lot of people that this film is targeted to in an age range, they would really get a lot out of it. Um, maybe if you were a little bit older, you might see something different out of it like we did. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an okay film. Yeah, I would say that Toussaint's on is something as far as, like, if I was 10 years younger, I I could see my, not so much because I'd be that age, but I could see my 15-year-old self loving this movie. This is my life, man. Yeah, so, and I think for that alone it has a lot of value because we don't get a lot of coming-of-age stories that don't condescend to... Uh, um, to people of the age that it represents. Um, as an adult, I have some problems with the lasting implications of some of these character decisions and the way it's written. But overall, I did find it engaging enough that I would recommend, even if I didn't ultimately like it. So I, I give it two and a half out of five because I'm just like completely mixed on how much I like certain parts of it mixed with how much I actually think 
its staying power has and uh, what it has to say. So it's a two and a half out of five for me. Hmm. Well, I will clearly be the highest because I actually gave this a really high rating of four out of five. Ah. I was very interested to see this and I'm glad I got to go see it. And even though this has been a shorter episode than usual, I'm glad we got to at least talk about this film a little bit because this is just a movie for me that was, was fun to watch. It definitely... Um, Brought back, not necessarily memories, I want to say, but it definitely um, made me think a lot about high school and sort of what it's like to not be necessarily someone who is beloved and is easily make friends and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah, I couldn't relate. I was like the coolest kid in my school. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I yeah. think it's uh, it's what the the way I feel. You know, I think the the feeling that Nadine's character has of her not understanding necessarily, I don't want to say why, but not necessarily understanding herself and why she is the way she is uh, and whatever. But the film clearly plays out that she has been this way her entire life from the time she was going to grade school until now. And yeah, at the end of the film, Basically, uh, the movie's saying you need to get your shit together and pretty much perform in public or you're never going to find happiness, which is an interesting uh, statement that I don't necessarily think the film is lying about. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it from start to finish, and although there were definitely some, uh, some problems here, I will be purchasing this film, and I will watch it for many years to come. Yeah. Four out of five for me, for The Edge of Seventeen. If you have any feelings on this film or any other coming-of-age stories or any films or TV shows except for Westworld, Fuck! we can send them. Toussaint has seen all the episodes, and myself and Nick only watched the pilot. Yeah. So he's got a lot of thoughts, and... We don't have hardly any other than what we talked about when we kind of recapped the first episode a while ago. So, yeah. It's not coming back till 2018, buddy. I don't care. So don't we've got it. time yeah. to watch the rest, and then we can all talk about it. No. Yeah, so that's something. But anyways, if you have thoughts on anything, you can always uh, send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. Or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. On our next episode, we're going to be discussing uh, another film that involves uh, interesting times in high school, uh, but definitely a much different film, and that is the the film that has gotten a lot of praise from critics, uh, and that is Moonlight. Moonlight. Thank you. Is there an echo? (laughs) So uh, that film... Uh, I always forget the director. Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. There you go. Um, And this film stars three different actors playing the same character through different time periods. What is this? The Imaginarium of Dr. Panarsis? Whatever. That's stupid. Panarsis, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if only Heath Ledger wasn't dead, that wouldn't Mm. have happened. Ooh, boy. But yeah, this film, uh, Moonlight, is a uh, an interesting uh, an interesting story. Uh, definitely has uh, a pretty unique structure to it, and uh, I know that both Nick and Toussaint definitely will have 
a lot of thoughts on mm-hmm. this, as will I. So that's something to look forward to on our next episode of Film Tank. As always, our episodes are on iTunes or Stitcher at Film Tank Show and on our website, filmtankshow.com. So, from Nick Cheney to Son Egan and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much, as always, for listening to this episode of Film Tank, and we will catch up with you next time. Woohoo! <laughs> 